have a great time. We are in week three of, of kind of a mini-series within our study of the book of Colossians that we're calling Don't Miss Out. Um, and basically what it is are, are some things that are so um, deliciously um, attractive and, and wonderful that God has for us that we don't want to miss out on any of them. Um, and we started off with don't miss out on having a, a nonstop party in your head. And, and then last week was don't miss out on wanting the best. And, and when you know it, uh, a lot of people have been really blessed by this don't miss out series. So if you're new to us or you haven't been uh, able to be with us, please check those out. Uh, they're free podcasts on our website or on iTunes. Get caught up and get blessed. We're going to cover a lot this morning, um, but uh, here's what it is. Okay, I want you to bring that up, please. We're all going to say it together, okay? Like you mean it. Okay, don't leave me hanging. Ready? Don't miss out on being free from lies. That's right, lies. It, that's, a, that's a great great thing. So um, here's what we're going to do. We're going to cover a lot of ground. So rather than try to follow along in your Bibles, what I've done is is provided these these note sheets and all the scriptures that we're going to be touching on uh, are on there. Uh, It'll it'll be tough for you uh, to flip and keep up. So if you have the YouVersion app on your phone, go to the live event All of that's on that sheet is downloaded into that live event. And plus, we have a couple of uh, polls for you that we're going to want you to participate in. Did you see this? Share Diet Coke with Tom. It says it right there. I think I will. It says it right on the label. Okay. Okay. So, Colossians 3.9. Let's go. Let's read it out loud together. It's very, very short. Here we go. Colossians 3.9. Do not let and another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. Okay, okay, stop there. Pretty straightforward, right? Don't lie. Don't lie, right? I need you to write this down. I need you to write this down. Living free from lies is one of God's family rules. Okay? That's one of God's family rules. That's how it's gonna go down in our family. That's what God is saying. Okay, you want to hang in the house? You want to hang in the family? We're not going to lie. We're just not going to lie to one another. It's all beauty and truth and honesty. That's how it's going to go down. And some of you are thinking, oh, like I had to get up early and and wash and come here to get that. That's just plain common sense. And I'd say, amen to that. It's just common sense. The Bible is full of what we would call common sense that unfortunately is not so common. Not so common. Um, But what it also tells us right here is that lying is part of our old self. Our old self. Does that mean that we lie more the older we get? No. Although I would have some examples where that is probably true for some of us. But um, that's not what it means. Your old self is the you before you meet Jesus Christ. Before you meet Jesus Christ and, and he comes in and he rearranges and he recreates. Um, that's what it means. He makes us new. Second Corinthians 5.17 says this. Therefore, if anyone, anyone, and, and, and you would fit that category. You're and anyone, I'm in anyone. If anyone is in Christ, he is a, what is that? New creation. The old, the old that we were talking about has passed away. Behold the new. 
has come. The new has come. So the old is, is the lying part, right? And the new is the one that loves truth, that tells truth, that's addicted to truth. So um, let's look at this Paul is writing in both of these cases, in Colossians and in uh, Corinthians, to people who are already followers of Jesus Christ. And yet, and yet, they are still struggling with lying and telling the truth. Can you relate? I'm the only one. Okay, I can relate. Why? Why? Well, we're going to take a look. We're going to take a look at why that's true. Okay, but first write this down. Because lying comes naturally, naturally to us. First Gaga, 512. We're on the wrong track, baby. We were born this way. We were born this way. That's right. It comes naturally to us. It is part of the old man. Okay, and to show you what I mean, here's our first poll. Now, if you're on the version app, we need you to make sure you got that booted up and quieted down. Um, and it has the poll right there. Here's the question. Here's the question. Which of the following best describes your experience with lying? Either A, I never lie. B, I rarely lie. C, I sometimes lie. D, I lie fairly often. E, I lie as often as I speak. Or only when I'm awake. Okay, now, if you have... The, if you're not on the Bible app, we got that poll question on your sheet. You can just circle it on the sheet with the golf pencil. By the way, if you play golf, will you hold up that pencil? Would you hold up that pencil? Oh, good. A lot of you. Chances are, and I would bet, that you have lied on the golf course with a pencil just like that one. Right? Right? Let's see. Okay. I never lie. Okay. Okay, now, here's what we can be sure of. 6% of us are liars, are liars, okay. God bless you, though. 29, I rarely lie. 47, I sometimes lie. 18, I lie fairly often. And 0%, I lie as often as I speak. Okay, okay, well, there you go. There you go, there you go. Rihanna says, I love the way you lie. Okay, nobody says that. Nobody, nobody says that. Okay, you lie. Here's the bottom line. You lie. I lie. We all lie. And that's the truth. That's the truth. That's the truth. And God says, don't lie. In fact, it was on his top 10 list. It was on his top 10 list. Take a look at the book of Exodus chapter 20. That's the 10 commandments. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. That is lying, right? In a sense, God's saying, no flaming pants for any of you at all. It's a family rule. Don't be this guy. Don't be this guy. Because not only is his butt like spread across two screens, but his pants are on fire, right? And we all know what this image represents. Do you? Yeah, it's bad. Do you know what is also burning when your pants are burning? Right. Your driver's license. What were you thinking in church, young lady? That's okay. Okay, don't be, don't be this guy. We, we all know we shouldn't lie. So this morning, I'm going to remind you of some things that you already know, of things that you already know, but maybe haven't put in this context. But why shouldn't we lie? 
Well, especially if nobody gets hurt. Well, then we have to dig deeper, don't we? Okay, so let's take another poll. Let's see how you feel about this one. Here we go. How do you most often feel when you find out someone you love has lied to you? Okay, you have three choices. How do you most often feel? Which gets closest? A, no big deal. Everybody lies sometimes. B, I just try to find out what the truth is. Or C, I feel hurt. Our relationship suffers because I no longer trust them as I once did. Key in your responses. Let's lock them in. Um, if you're playing at home, just circle that number. Let's see how we did. No big deal. Everybody lies sometimes. Okay, nobody felt that way. I just try to find out what the truth is. Okay, the same 6% that said they, they never lie. And, and 94% feel hurt. 94% feel hurt. Our relationship suffers because I no longer trust them as they, I once did. Okay, here's a red flag. Here's an irony alert, because all that is true for me too. All that I voted before you even got up this morning, okay? All that is true for me. Here's an irony alert. Um, We expect the truth from other people, but we don't hold ourselves to the need to be entirely truthful. Do you see that dichotomy? Do 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 you see how this double standard could create relationship problems that could cause relationship problems. Wouldn't you agree? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, in fact, even atheists know that lying is destructive to relationships. One of the most famous atheists of all time, right? Frederick Nietzsche. What upsets me, he writes, is not that you lied to me, but that from now on, I can no longer believe you. Even atheists agree. So it doesn't matter what your truth claim. It doesn't matter what your spirituality is. It doesn't matter. We have this sense that lying is wrong. So um, this is where we're going to go first. Why not to lie? Three reasons why you should not lie. Okay, the first reason not to lie, please write this down, is somebody always gets hurt. Hurt. You knew the answer before. I even told you. So you knew this. Someone always gets hurt. This is true. Whether you're a follower of Jesus Christ or not, it is the truth. Somebody always gets hurt. No, nobody got hurt by my lie. Nobody gets hurt. Well, I think you'll come to see that somebody always gets hurt. You get hurt. The person you lie to gets hurt and God gets hurt. Uh, Proverbs 26, 28 says this, a lying tongue hates its victims, and a flattering mouth works ruin. Lying is hating. When you lie, you are hating on the other person that you're lying to. We see this connection. And and Victor Hugo, who wrote Les Miserables, also wrote this. He also wrote this, that that echoes this, this proverb. Men hate, men and women hate those to whom they have to lie. And we We know that lies destroy relationships because lies manipulate the way you want other people to see you. So this other person relates to and and maybe loves or maybe gets hurt by a a version of you that doesn't exist, a a false version of you. So that creates relationship damage, relationship damage. Now, I wanted a special graphic up there um, for this story. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you'll see that it goes well. Um, when we were, when I was growing up, we lived in New Jersey for, for a time. And my parents had a former friend 
whose name was Rosalie. And I will not give you her last name because with my luck, she'd be listening to the podcast in some elderly home in, in the, on the East Coast and send me a nasty gram. But um, Rosalie was a phenomenal cook. I say phenomenal. She wasn't a good cook. She wasn't a great cook. She was the best. Like, how do you even know this person, right? So I'm, I'm a kid. I'm in high school. But um, I, we have this, you know, my parents, this was a time when dinner parties and dinner clubs and things like that, every week they'd go. These were very popular. So whenever they heard that Rosalie was attending, Rosalie was going to bring some, people would cancel their plans. They would cancel trips. They would cancel anything just to go, just to go because you knew that whatever she brought was going to be mind-blowing, life-changing, that good, that good. And they would always, always ask her for what? The, the recipe, right? And she would always, oh, sweet pea, you like that? She wasn't from New Jersey. She was from the South somewhere. Um, You like that? I'm so touched. Of course I'll write. Give me a pen. I'll write that down for you. She would, ye. You know. And and then like, if you say you that way, God bless you. I just, I associate with her. Um, So she would. She would write that down. And people would like guard this, you know. And and all the time, it, it would have expensive, hard to find, exotic ingredients, right? Right? Very expensive stuff. So they would wait for a very special occasion to make this recipe, whether it's an anniversary or a birthday or a holiday or a wedding reception. That's when they would make this thing, right? But here's what they didn't know. That she would change the recipe. She would leave items out of the recipe. She would include things in there that had no business being in food of any kind. In fact, sometimes the recipe would rise when it wasn't supposed to. Sometimes it would be a whole different consistency. There there was no mention of gelatinous ooze in this recipe. Sometimes the recipe wouldn't even be the right color. But this was always true. This was always true. It was always absolutely inedible. Inedible. And, and people had searched wide and long. Before the days of the internet, they would have to go corral these ingredients, spend this money at times when they had family and they were counting on them, right? What do you think that did to her friendships? It killed them. Because when they went back, Rosalie must have, I don't know what you did. It always comes out nice for me. Yeah, well... It killed her friendships. It killed them. All because she wanted to be the only one who could bring this to places, right? She wanted to share her joy. She's going to lie. So Rosalie ended up with tons of really great food and no one to share it with. So she became huge and lonely. So if you don't want to be huge and lonely, then don't lie. Okay, that was uh, point number one. Somebody always gets hurt. It ruins relationship. Number two reason not to lie. Write this down. Lies come from Satan. Lies come from Satan. Now, I can, I can almost hear some of you out there. Um, well, I should have thought I'd, I'd hear that in church. I don't really believe in Satan. That's, that's okay. You will someday. You will someday. Okay. Now, um, the first lie ever told. I'm going to take you back 
to Genesis chapter 3. We're just going to start it off in verse 1. Here we go. First lie ever told. Now the serpent, that's Satan, was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say to you, you, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the tree of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst or the middle of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, and here it is. Here's the lie. You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God knowing good and evil. Did you see the lie? What God said is not true, and they bought it. They bought it. So why do I share this with you? Because that lie had disastrous consequences for you, me, Lady Gaga, Billy Graham, and everybody in history. Why? Because every crime, every disease, every depression, every heartbreak, Every war, every injustice was born from that first lie. And what's worse, we all became infected by it. We became infected by it so that we are born with a tendency to lie. If you doubt this, have a child. Have a child. Before they know shapes and colors and their name, they know how to deceive you and manipulate you. You didn't. You did not teach that to them. So Jesus calls Satan the father of lies. In uh, John 8, 44, he says about Satan, this is Jesus' words, when Satan lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies, because all lies um, come from that. Um, That means that when we lie. I want you to dial in for this. Okay, you've been kind of drifting. If this is true, if this is true, then when you and I lie, we glorify Satan. We worship Satan. Right. Why? Because when we lie to somebody else, we do to that person what Satan does to that person. He lies to them. He lies to them. That's what's so bad about it. There are no such things as white lies. Lies get their power to work from hell itself. Lies get their power to work from hell itself. So it makes, stands to reason that if the number one reason not to lie is because somebody always gets hurt, and the number two reason is because lies come from Satan, then write this down. The number three reason, it stands to reason, is that God hates lies. God hates lies. Lies. In fact, in Proverbs 12, 22, it says lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Now, if there's a stronger word to use for distaste, I don't know what it is. Lies are an abomination to the Lord. He hates lies. And if you lie, when you lie, you will be busted. Proverbs goes on in 19.5 to say this, a false witness will not go unpunished. And he who bears who breathes out lies will not escape. 
There is no such thing as a lie that is never found out. You said, no, I got away with it. If it is not found out, if God doesn't drag it into the light right now, then God will drag it into the light when you stand before him and you and I give an account of every careless word we have ever spoken. Do you think that means, oh, I was just babbling? No, this is lying and bearing false witness every careless word we have ever spoken. It will be uncovered by God, uncovered by God. And maybe this is the most terrifying of all, the most terrifying of all. Um, It's in Revelation 21. Um, This is what God the Father said about the final judgment. But as for the cowardly, bad, the faithless, bad, bad, the detestable, yeah, bad, Bad. As for all murderers, really bad. The sexually immoral, bad. Sorcerers, bad. All idolaters, bad. And all liars. Who would have put that in the same list? Who would have, which of us would put that in the same list? Liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. That's how serious this thing is that all of us do, that none of us tolerate, 94% of us don't tolerate in others. That's how bad this is. This is the bad news. Where does that leave liars like me? Where does that leave me? Condemned. Condemned. That's the bad news. Now, um, before some of my cynic friends say, well, that's what religion does. Religion threatens and, and, and scares you into behaving. Okay, so religion can have that. We're not talking about religion. We're talking about Jesus Christ. So not only is this the bad news, but this is the good news. How is this good news? How is this good news? Because this, this is the measure of Jesus' love for you. How could that be? How could that be? Well, because on the cross, Jesus became for you and for me a coward, a faithless one, detestable, a murderer, sexually immoral, sorcerer, idolater. He became our lies. He became a liar. And he paid that price so that you and I could go free. This is the measure of Jesus' love for you, that he would become this and die for this and experience the torment of hell so that you would never have to. So the good news is better than the bad news is bad. Do you see? Do you see that we can be guilty, more guilty than we ever feared, and yet more loved and more blessed than we ever imagined because of the gospel because of the gospel. Because when it seems like it's bad news, it just reflects how good God is to us. So, so religion would tell you, don't, 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 don't. You just moral, white knuckle this thing and you do good enough and God's gonna give you the thumb. No, you're all busted. I'm busted. Everybody's busted. And the people who get pardoned are those who say, I'm busted. And I believe, Jesus, that you came for me. You lived a life that is not busted and you became busted for me in my place for my sins and you died. And you experienced all the wrath of God and all the right retribution I deserved so that I would never have to do that. That's how much you love me. I trust you 
with that. I surrender to that. And now I'm going to walk in the victory of the favor that I already have, not trying to earn favor through the law, through the law. So here's the good news. The good news is better than the bad news is bad. And we see that in Colossians 2 uh, as well. As well. <laughs> okay, Colossians 3, the next verse, verse 10. I'm going to back it up and reload verse 9 just so you have it. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. And here we go with 10. And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here we have, you can have an old self and you can have a new self. The old self that, 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 you had before you met Jesus Christ. Lying to be part of that old self. But if you've surrendered to him, as many of you have here, you can have a new self. God will recreate you new, new with one who loves and tells and rejoices in the truth and not deception. That is what he's talking about. And some of you only have an old life and you're trying to make the best of this old life and you're trying to shine up a car that can't run. You're trying to shine it up with the law or with deception or cleaning the outside of the cup as as Jesus criticized in the Pharisees. What he's saying is you need a new heart. You need new life. And that's what I've come to give you. I've come. That's on the table for some of you today, for all of you. But but some of you will actually take it. You'll say this old life, this ain't working anymore. This trying to, to gain favor with God, trying to be good enough, trying to measure up. It is not getting it. What I need is a new heart. What I need is a new life. And that is great because that's exactly, that is exactly what Jesus offers you. And some of you will make the most important decision of eternity by saying, that's what I need. That's what I want. I don't want just an old, I want a new life. And, and then some of you are stuck in the middle. Like, you know, you've received Jesus. You know, he lives inside. You know, you have this new life. You just have to press in. You just have to press in harder and trust more and let that stuff die and be part of that old life that just isn't in your DNA anymore. That isn't in your DNA and that's not a moral uptick. That, that's just loving and pressing in and, and believing. in Jesus, that's what it's about. Jesus wants to make you new. How? In the image of its creator, in his image. He wants to remake you in all the beauty and all the wonder and all the gorgeousness of of himself. And you say, well, haven't we all been made in the image of God? Yes, yes. But every sin mars and, and shadows and stains and mutates and chips away at that beautiful image. And he wants to re- make you. This is this, the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The new has come. He wants to be being remade. If, if you pull up that, say, therefore, if anyone is Christ, he is the new creation. The old has passed. Behold, the new has come. The new has come. And it continues to come. And it continues to renew you. And, and, and you and I, who are prone to fall, who are prone to mess up, who are prone to sin. That's what we need. We don't need like a God who says like, okay, strike one. Okay, you're doing pretty, strike two. Okay, really? Next time you are out of the kingdom. You are out of the family. You said it was a family rule. You understood that. You screw up, you're out. Not if you're in Christ. Not if you're in Christ. 
If God looks at me, he sees his perfection. Sees Christ's perfection. That's right. That's right. That doesn't free us up so we go hog wild and sin. No, it makes us grateful and loving. Say, I'm going to obey, not to try to earn God's favor, but because you gave me your love and favor when I so didn't deserve it. That's the gospel. So we can be free from lies. We can be free from lies. Here's the question. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Are you in Christ? Are you in Christ? If not, why not? You can be. You can be this morning. And I'll give you a a moment to do that in, in just a moment. Jesus said that lying or no, we said just as we said, lying comes naturally to us. Write this down. Loving the truth, telling the truth comes supernaturally, supernaturally to us, supernaturally to us. With Jesus, you can have an everyday life that is free from lies. Can you imagine what a life free from lies might look like? What that might look like. Now, we have a couple of police officers that come here on a regular basis. I don't think anybody gets lied to as much as cops, particularly when they stop somebody in the car, right? But what if? What if? Because like, you know, some of you guys strut like, I got the best lie. I tell them I'm going to my mom's funeral. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. Great. What if this guy, this man or woman comes to your window and instead of lying, what if you told the truth? What if you said, you, you know, you should have stopped me because I know I was speeding and I, I wasn't paying attention or I was and it didn't matter to me, but I know it should and I'm sorry. Okay, John, have you ever heard that? You're still in training. Okay, so I'm training you. Let me just tell you that if a police officer is anything like a parent, and, and, and the best ones probably are, that your biggest burden is trying to get the person to see what they did wrong. If you remove that from the table, you are much likely to get mercy. You are much likely to get mercy. What if you're what if, I mean, think about a life without lies. You've got no tracks to cover because there are no tracks. You don't have to wonder what the last thing you said to this person is. You told them the truth, right? You don't have to worry. What if um, there was no lies in marriages? Ooh, there'd be no infidelity because you can hardly have infidelity without lies. In fact, if you think about whatever your besetting sin is, there's probably lies associated with it. Think about our addictions. If we told the truth, if we were honest, we'd get help before we went off the edge of the cliff because we would have no problem saying, I can't do this. This thing owns me. (coughs) It is too strong. I need help. I need help from people. I need help from God. Look, um, some of you still live at home. Okay, I'm going to give you a gift here. Um, because we love everybody. Uh, Parents, when you go home and you say, who broke the lamp, right? And Because they're always going to break it, and and so don't buy lamps. That's the moral of that story. Um, You would get the truth. You would get the truth. So here's the gift. Most smart parents will never ask a child a question that they do not already know the answer to. This is a trap. 
So tell the truth. Tell the truth. Would you not freak out? It's me. It's me. I'll fix it. I'm sorry. Oh, she did it. Tell the truth. That's what it would look like. But what about those sticky situations? I always get asked about this. What about when I'm asked for my opinion? When I'm asked for my opinion, let's look at John 1, 7, 17 or 17, yeah. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth to wonderful things. You should know this. You're going to hear a lot about it. Grace and truth should always go together. And in Jesus, they came together. We got people with a lot of truth and no grace, right? And, and, and you, you despise them because they're always beating on you, right? And then we got people with grace, but no truth. And they're, they're so light and fluff, but it doesn't mean anything because it's not true. It flies on the wind. Grace and truth linked together is is what Jesus brings. Jesus brings grace and truth and yours and my ungracious and unloving and uh, opinions are neither grace nor truth. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Don't you? It, It goes like this. I love my new pants. Do they make my butt look big? I don't know. Do you consider a buffalo big? Um, do you like that? Hey, hey. I didn't take this from my own lexicon. I made these up. Did you like that birthday cake I made for you? Mm, it had the distinct taste of wet cardboard and sprinkled with a little used uh, kitty litter. Yeah. I'm ready. How do I look? Um, looks like you should go try it again, but this time turn the lights on and use a mirror. What, what about those things, right? Those are neither truth nor grace. Jesus, write this down. Write this down. Jesus gives us the ability to tell a deeper truth with grace and love. Jesus gives, but I was just telling the truth. Tell in Jesus a deeper truth with grace and love. How do you do that? How do you do that? Any pair of pants that is on you is lucky to be that close. That cake tasted like love. How do you look? You look like the definition of beauty to me. And if that's your spouse, you should be able to say that with all your heart. And if you can't, that's a problem with your heart and not their appearance getting that? Tell a deeper truth with grace and love. That's how you do it. Just giving them my opinion. Well, you're breaking hearts and God's along with them. Okay. Bible says you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Lies make you captive. Captive. And some of you need to get free this morning. Write this down. Jesus sets you free in your heart, in your heart, from lies, in your heart. One of the biggest motivations for lies, and then we're going to let you go. No one could know the truth about me and still love me. The truth that contradicts that lie is the gospel. 
the gospel. Jesus knows the truth about you, knows the truth about me, knows truths about you and me that we've never been brave enough to go down and uncover, knows them and says, I love you. I love you so much. I'll trade lives with you so that you can live in ever-increasing life, in ever-increasing freedom, in ever-increasing truth. I'll do that. That's how much I love you. Romans 5, 8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we were still sinners, Christ, when we were at our worst, Christ showed us his best love, best love. So the lie that you believe that no one can know the truth about you and still love you, the gospel and the truth that Jesus brings is more beautiful and more powerful than all the lies you have ever been told, of all the lies that you've ever believed, of all the lies that you've ever told, of all the lies that have ever been told in all of history, all of history. And he offers to bring you that and bring you new life. And if it hasn't happened for you, maybe you need a new heart. That's what he's saying. It's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. And he offers us new hearts. He offers us that transformation into a heart that rejoices in the power and the beauty of truth. Last thing for you to write down. Those who aren't followers of Jesus and those who think they are followers of Jesus but aren't, Believe their own lie, and it's the same lie. It is the lie of self-sufficiency. Self-sufficiency. And perhaps that is the most harmful lie of all. The most harmful lie of all. In Jesus' own words in Revelation 3, 17. It says, for you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing not realizing that you are wretched and pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I don't need Jesus. I got everything I want. I don't need Jesus. I'm happy with my life. I don't need Jesus. I got my talents. I got my potential. I don't need Jesus. I'm retired. I don't need Jesus. I got my talents. I don't need Jesus. I already live in paradise. I don't need Jesus. I grew up in church. I don't need Jesus. I'm here in church now. I don't need Jesus. I raised a hand. I walked an aisle. I prayed a prayer. I don't need Jesus. I'm successful. I don't need Jesus. I'm still married. I don't need Jesus. I don't need a crutch. I can handle this. I don't need Jesus. I'm a good person. I don't need Jesus. My life is going great. I don't need Jesus. I got this figured out. I don't need Jesus. The most harmful lie that you have ever heard and that you will ever tell is the lie of self-sufficiency. You don't need Jesus because I and you and all of us who got busted by all of this need him desperately, desperately. And here's the good news. He wants us even more than we need him. 
So why would you not run home when you know the person who understands, the peace person who will be lavish in love, lavish in forgiving, lavish in rebuilding, lavish in remaking, awaits you there? People who run away and don't come home are because they can't face the truth or they can't face what awaits them. And when what awaits you is life, why would you and I believe the lie that life is found somewhere else? We can be free from lies. God hates lies, but God loves you, and that is the We are going to celebrate with a meal of truth and grace. Jesus said this in John 3, uh, 6, 53. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I'm telling you the truth when I say this. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Which, which, let's put this in plain English. Unless you ingest Jesus, unless you take him in, unless you receive him to the degree that he becomes part of you and lives in, inside of you, then you're not living, you're just surviving. You're just existing. But here he says, I came and bled so that you could be washed. I came and was broken so that you might be healed. I came to be undone so that you could be remade. I came to be separated from my Father so that you in me could always be united. And I rose again so that you might know that whatever ditch you find yourself in emotionally, spiritually, physically, morally, sexually, maritally, you can rise again in me right now. By ingesting, by receiving, by surrendering, by, we use a lot of words, it's all the same, saying yes. So some of you, um, some of you, like me, need to um, repent of the cavalier way that you've seen lying um, and just bring all of that dishonesty before God and say, Lord, I need a heart change. I do have a new life, but my new life looks a heck of a lot like my old life. But that's going to change because you said you would. Because you said you would. And I want to press in and I want to do that. Others of you, that new life, that's you've heard a lot about Jesus, but you would say, no, I haven't ingested. I, I haven't. I, I have never received. I've never surrendered. You want that new life. This is a, just bow your heads. If that is on your heart, you would say, yes, Jesus. Um, what Tom's been saying, that comes from you, I know. And I believe that. Here's my prayer. Lord, um, I'm not that good at praying. But I want to make my heart open to you. Lord, I do believe that, Jesus, you are God. That you came for me 
on a rescue mission and that you died for all the things that would kill me and that you rose again so that I could rise again. Would you please take me in? Would you please wash me clean? Would you please make me new? I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. And if you give me the strength, I will follow you all the days of my life. If you just prayed that prayer from your heart, heaven and earth just moved in you. And, and Jesus is, is rushing in and taking up residence. He'll do what he promised to do for all of us, which is remake us into...